Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to episode number 23 of Talking Mopars and the first edition of Direct Connections. My guests for today are Chuck and Matt McMurray, the founders and brains behind ReadyChassis.com and Hemipages.com. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopar's Direct Connections. You're listening to Talking Mopar's with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right. Introducing my guests for the first edition of Direct Connections, Chuck McMurray and his son, Matthew McMurray. Guys, how are you doing? Good, good. good. And uh, happy Easter, by the way. Yeah, happy Easter to you guys, too. Before we get into your current Mopar endeavors, let's rewind time a little bit. And Chuck, let's start with you. What got you into Mopars? So it's an interesting thing. There was a, uh, a 1988 hot rod magazine. Uh, maybe it was Carcraft, And they had the, uh, the top 10 fastest cars of all time. And they were measuring the cars in, you know, various road courses and quarter miles and things like that. And so, you know, at the age of 13, I was really into like Lamborghini Countach and Ferraris, didn't know anything about cars. And the car that owned the quarter mile for that particular top 10 that they did was a 62 max wedge dart right uh, which is yeah. the opposite looking of a lamborghini countach <laughs> and i was just completely floored that something that was that ugly could be that fast and so <laughs> that kind of caught my eye and from then on i just started you know picking up reading magazines and kind of following the mopar story and of course once you get into the 426 hemi content and you realize how many engines they own in you know straight line racing they've been pretty much the dominant force when it comes to, you know, top fuel and those types of engines and things. And so I stuck with it and then, uh, got into my own cars. When I was 14, my dad let me buy a 74 Valiant with 300 bucks out of a Walgreens parking lot in Chicago, <laughs> knew nothing about it, you know, tore the slant six out and, and learned the hard way. And, uh, after that got into a 66 Coronet. And from then on, it was, it became pretty natural to me to be able to fix stuff. I was always kind of good with my hands and uh, just fell in love with the brand, which was weird because in the early 90s, you know, Mopar didn't have nearly what they have today or what they had in the late 60s. So 
Sure. It was definitely a hard time to be the underdog, so to speak. Definitely. Matthew, what about you? Obviously, your dad had to have some sort of influence on you and your love of yeah. Mopar. So go ahead and yeah. go ahead and tell yeah, your absolutely. side of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I've actually got two different peaks uh, because I'm interested in both old Mopars and young Mopars and the, the new generation Mopars, the Gen 3 yeah. Hemi stuff. Um, and actually, both of them have to do directly with the cars that he's bought. So back when I was 11, 12 years old, uh, my dad decides to tell me, hey, we're going up to Wisconsin and we're going to buy a $1,200 1966 Dodge Coronet. The roadkill. The roadkill car. Influence. Which, which actually did have a pretty big influence, and I can't leave that part out because I started watching roadkill with him, and that that definitely sparked the interest in him to want to go and buy this car. So it's kind of a whole cycle. And we started with them, and so went up to Wisconsin. We bought this car and drove it six hours home. Wow. And it was incredible. That car was... <laughs> we almost didn't make <laughs> we it. We almost didn't make it, but yeah. we, ended up, we ended up getting home all right, and we spent six months with that car before we decided to trade it out for our newest 1973 Dodge Coronet, which we still have today. Um, but then, so that's my interest in old Mopars. That's how it all started. And now to this day, I'm actually driving a 1977 Plymouth Volare, nice. um, which we bought on St. Patty's day this year, well, which, a green car on St. Patty's yeah, day. Oh, right. <laughs> and, uh, and right around the same time, my dad decides to get uh, a 2010 Dodge Challenger RT. And, I'll be honest, at first I was not a big fan of it. I was kind of like, this is weird, this is a new car. He's always had old cars around. <laughs> and then we decided to take it out to Route 66 Raceway out here in Juliet. And uh, we took it down the track. And I, for some reason, just seeing the car out on the track, comparing it to other cars, and oh, my dad was out there. I was like, this is so awesome. Just the track experience, everything about it. And from pretty much that moment on, just seeing the car go down the track, just during a uh, testing tune, I was into it. It was awesome. Was that your first time at the drag strip? No, uh, I've been going to the drag strip since I was like three. <laughs> I dragged them out. Yeah. Every year, summer and spring, we would go down there and go to the NMCA events and took him to the Mopar shows when he was so young that the only thing he wanted to do was buy matchbox cars and get free ice cream. But I think, I think the influence of seeing enough of it, you know, he started to kind of pick up the hobby and, and took to it pretty naturally. Oh. Right on, right on. Well, now that we have a little bit of your background, let, let me ask you a couple of questions before we get into your businesses. Sure. What do, you, what do you guys think about the current Mopar marketplace as far as where pricing is for not only project Mopars that are classics, but also uh, fully restored Mopars? How do yeah. you guys feel about that? You know, it's interesting um, because, uh, you know, we've done work for retailers uh, in the automotive market. We've kind of followed where the investment uh, Mopar level cars have gone since, you know, after the economy crash in 2009. And it really got inflated, right? It was almost frightening to think that if you wanted to go out and get a 444 barrel automatic B body that you're going to be spending at least $40,000 for something. Yeah. So, you know, that was crazy. Um, but I am happy that the market has recognized that these cars are important enough to put the money into them and to take care of them because so many of them just got, you know, left out in the weeds and crushed and everything else. So it's been interesting to see kind of how that's continued to change over time. But what I found, uh, what I found really interesting is where, you know, the price of the aftermarket has gone. It's actually a lot cheaper now uh, than it was so many years ago to be able to build engines and get parts. There's, you know, we went to SEMA last uh, fall and, you know, you go to the diamond piston booth and there's four different piston types just for the 400, you know, low deck engines. I mean, that, yeah. that was stuff we dreamt of 25 years ago. So I think that's great. And the new stuff has certainly respawned a generation in the market. Um, you know, it's challenging that Hellcats are 
you know, to get into one now, if you were going to get into a used one, you're probably looking at 40, 45,000. But the demons, you know, they're still at that inflated price. The red eyes, you know, even with all the incentives, you're still looking at a $70,000, $80,000 car, but you're also buying a 10 second turnkey, <laughs> yeah. you know, Corvette killer. So I guess it does make sense, but it's, it's a really exciting time. And I think uh, it has never been as good to be a Mopar guy as it is at least in the last couple of years, in my personal opinion. I definitely agree. What about you, Matthew? What do you think about these prices? Are they crazy or what? For me, definitely. Because <laughs> uh, I can barely afford anything that <laughs> any of these cars, you know, these I see them, I'll go on Facebook Marketplace a lot. Just a dream. You know, I'll look at E-Bodies, I'll look at B-Body old chargers and stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, if it weren't for the fact that he was into the stuff, I would just continue to dream. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I, I think that it's where it's at is pretty good because if you look at the comparison of other domestic vehicles uh new prices used prices they're they're pretty expensive and i mean it's when you're in the restoration market alone you're looking at expensive prices anyways when you're going to get into a project you know you're going to be spending money um but i would definitely say that for where things are and you know where the economy is i think that the prices are very reasonable and i yeah, mean for some cars for some yeah, cars yeah and i feel like you know the demon it it the inflation should go down i'm hoping it goes down because yeah. i just i mean it's an incredible car but i just it's not for 130 not for 100 right yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Now, let me ask you both this do you think that because i've been seeing almost a divide between modern mopar enthusiasts and the the old school guys for lack of a better term do you think it takes a little bit of fun out of the equation when you go out and buy say a demon or even a hellcat or a hellcat red eye because they're already fast out of the box so it's like you know, you dump, we'll say 50,000 or a hundred thousand plus on a car, you know, unless your pockets are really deep. I mean, how much modification are you really going to do? How much fun are you really going to have aside from just turning the key and going? Do you think that yeah. those cars take the fun out of it? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny you say that because we've, de we've really, um, uh, invested in, in both old and new and, um, having a 2014 SRT eight that ran, he got an 1193 out of it with soft tires, you know, out of the box, no mods. And um, it was neat because, you know, out of the box, you can go that fast. But at the same time, there really wasn't a lot that you could touch easily. If you're going to make one modification, you need at least a tune. And with a tune um, and, a, and a few modifications, if you put the car in the 11s, then you need to start tracing, uh, you know, driveline, making those improvements. And so it's really never just a bolt on. It's a few thousand bucks. And so... You know, I'd say that it's reinvigorated the market, but I would agree that there seems to be kind of a divide between the folks that did restoration and were part of this for 30 or 40 years and what the new market has done. But it, in some ways, it has kind of taken the fun out of, I think, you know, when when you can get in a red eye and run 10 teens or high nines, um, to do that in an A-body would require a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it easier if you are not mechanically inclined and you don't have sure. tools but at the same time, it has reset the bar for what is a fast car. So it's a, uh, it's interesting, right? But they're also forty six hundred pounds. So it, you know, the safety equipment. My concern with a lot of those cars is, what happens if you do have something happen at the top end? I mean, a forty six hundred pound car versus a twenty eight hundred pound car is, is a lot more inertia. Right? Yeah, more so. start. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm sure the insurance companies don't really want to know that you're out there banging them up on the oh. track either. That's always, right. that would be an interesting uh, conversation with, you know, the Geico lizard. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. 
Now, before we, one more question before we get into your Mopar business endeavors. Uh, what are your guys' favorite TV or movie Mopars? I'm sure you have your own. Yeah, I, I'd have to say the White Challenger of uh, uh, Vanishing oh, Point. Vanishing Point. Thank you. The Wall Vanishing Street? Point. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Matthew, what about you? Oh, oh man, it's okay. I if I have to choose from a '68 Charger between the Bullet car and then and then uh, generally oh. oh, and Fast and Furious. I forgot about that one too. Um, I I'd have to say the General Lee, just knowing the the story behind the fact that they had so many of those cars produced and like yeah. seeing those lots where they had like 20 of them just on <laughs> back lot and knowing that they crashed them in almost every episode and, and in the movie and stuff. So, I mean, I, I just think that the general Lee is probably one of the coolest things that they ever made. Absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of anger around <laughs> Dukes of hazard because they wreck so many of them. And I'm like, well, you know, ah, I, I, I don't know how I really feel about all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> especially 68 chargers, right? Me. Yeah, now those are some of the most expensive. I don't know, they were they 68s or 69s? 60, They're 69. 60, oh, oh my god, oh yeah, because they have the split in the front, yeah. So now, now it's like they're so hard to find, and they were just wrecking them back then. That you know, has how much of an impact? A lot of people have asked this question, how much of an impact has the Dukes of Hazard actually had on the charger marketplace? You know, as far as how many are available and what you can get and all that. So that's always been interesting, an interesting topic for me. And I'm actually glad that you guys both had uh, different choices for those because on talking Mopars, I have a segment called high performance parts where I pick a car just randomly a Mopar from TV or movie history. So I thought it would be interesting to get your guys' take and see what you guys would choose. So very cool. Yeah, I like that. That's fun. All right, let's, uh, let's get into, let's get into ready chassis. Why don't you tell us a little bit about ready chassis? Sure. So Ready Chassis has been an idea that I've had probably since my late 20s. Um, you know, I always thought it was really difficult to try to get us, you know, a good certified race car that also, um, you know, could be considered by Mopar purists to be something that they'd respect. I mean, anybody can cut up a car and turn it into a, a chassis door car, but to you know, challenge how you run different rear suspensions and things like that. I, I always thought that it could be done better. And I've seen so many, for lack of a better word, you know, really junk race cars built and, and raced and in some cases crashed that I always thought it would be a neat idea is if somebody would <clears throat> produce something that served the street strip market and um, used to build a lot of those cars when I, and I had a shop in the early 2000s. Um, and I, I sold many of them, um, but never really did a lot of the heavy, you know, tube chassis conversion work. I kept my cars um, stock floor plan, uh, stock floor pan, um, stock steering locations and things like that. And it kept the resale value up. So I've been at it for a while. Just wanted to be able to offer the market a volume where you don't have to spend sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 to get into a car. And then once uh, once Matt got involved and we started looking at, you know, would there be a demand for something like this? Um, I mean, think of the choices you've got. Drag pack, too expensive for most people. Hellcat Red Eye, that car comes with a warranty and it's turnkey for at least five years of your life, unless you've got the extra money to spend. But there doesn't seem to be an intermediate play. And so that's where we really felt like we could fill the market with something that, that people could get into for a reasonable price, but still get a high quality product. So 
I could bring you, say, my 69 Dart and tell you what I wanted to do with it, and you guys could build me a certified race car? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, what what we've been trying to do is isolate uh, two or three different models where we can go out and collect cores, paint them in very popular colors, set them up so that they could accept three or four different types of suspension systems. So if you want to go road racing, there's a kit for that. If you want a ladder bar suspension, there's a kit for that. If you want to run a leaf spring car, there's a kit for that. Um, and, and our cars uh, come out of the box with, you know, the underside already blasted and painted, the wheel wells undercoated. Um, so really you're just not, you're not having to do the dirty work as much as you are just picking out all the fun parts and doing a lot of the bolt-ons where a lot of the other NHRA certification welds and the other things are already done for you. So it, it really allows people that don't have the tools and in some cases the time or even the expertise to not have to deal with a chassis shop. They have a faster and easier way to be able to get into a ready-to-go rolling chassis or a complete car, of course, if if you want the drive train too. Yeah, very cool. Now, from what I saw, it looked like you had three different stages of build that if so if i brought you my car i could choose one of the three stages depending on how crazy i wanted to get essentially is that correct correct? okay that's correct yeah something anything from body and white to a uh a fully you know turnkey ready to rock uh race car very cool now do you guys take care of the uh drivetrain and stuff too the engine work and all that so i could i could give you a check and i get a race car correct correct yeah very cool very cool. And we so what we try to do on the engine and drive line is we stick with a couple of um, different packages that we know perform well in our chassis. So we've right now we've probably got three to four different engine types that you can select from, and they kind of come the way that they they are. Right, they're like like crate engines, okay. um, big block, small block, late gen Hemi is kind of those three choices. And then on the big block front, it's, it's really, do you want a street strip car? Or do you want a pure race car or a pure, you know, uh, race piece? And so those are the choices. And so what, what we did in our research is we found that so many people had invested time and investment in the engine and transmission. They may have $20,000 in the drive line, and they don't even have nearly that much into the race car. And you get underneath it and it's dirty and the welds aren't good. The car doesn't certify they've already got the investment in the drive line. They actually just need like a crate chassis. So that's kind of what we brought to market. Very cool. Yeah. I've always had this crazy idea. I'm so obsessed with the Hearst Hemi darts that I always thought, you know, especially with the modern Hemi coming out, I always thought, what if I set and I could be completely dumb for even thinking this, but I always thought it would be so interesting to set it up exactly how they were from 68 with the exception of a gen three Hemi. I would love to see what, how the car would react to a modern, a modern power plant, but vintage suspension. Now it could be a complete train wreck, who knows, (laughs) but that's always been like, I don't know. It's like a little pipe dream of mine, I guess. Sure. Yeah. The, the word that I heard, um, so folks that we've shared some of our prototypes with, uh, I heard the word restoration used. And I like that (laughs) because it's a restored car that's really set up for more of a a street strip or a strip situation. So that's what we've deemed them as race durations. That's very, but that crazy. name is already taken. There's a company in England that's doing those two uh, triumph TR sixes and so forth. But yeah. Okay. I like to refer to ratty, ratty Mopars that you go and get and just get safely running and driving. I, I call that a restoration. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Fully restored. Um, cool. Well, that's so now 
I also thought I read something on readychassis.com that said you could actually replicate an old super stock car. So if I wanted, like, say, say I'm a huge fan of Dandy Dick Landy and I wanted to replicate his 68 Charger, you could build me a replica? That's that's actually one of the, so we're going to, the model variations that we're going to be doing, uh, 67 to 69 Dart Barracuda. So the super stock cars will be replicating. We're going to have a lower dollar 73 to 76 duster because there's a, a lot of them and, and the body style is still lightweight and then we're going to have a, a drag pack uh, type challenger that'll be built off of an X, sxt chassis um, but yeah you'll be able to so over time we're going to uh, release additions where if you want the real dick landy dart essentially without the hemi you can get the car so if you've got a good running 440 and transmission you know you can look and drive like that if you want to put the the super stock Hemi in there. That's obviously the increase in the investment, but you could get it that way. Absolutely. Wow. Very cool. You got me excited. I'm like, gosh, I might just have to, <laughs> in a few years, if this podcast ever takes off, I might be calling you up and sending you something. Um, Sounds good. We'll hold a spot for you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's move on to Hemi pages. Now, I don't know how many people, how, I don't know how much you've actually released to the world um, how much information you've actually released so far. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about what Hemi Pages is? Sure, sure. So Hemi Pages is, uh, e think of it easily as the Yelp or the Yellow Pages of the Mopar enthusiast community. You know, there's a lot of options out there to, when you do your online research. Obviously, you can go to Google and you can start to search. But uh, if you're going to start looking for Mopar-specific engine shops, transmission builders, people that sell parts, you know, be it new or late model, it's actually difficult to find one place that has a lot of that. And, and what we found is in our research, when you go to Facebook groups, forum boards, is that most of the information doesn't necessarily come from certified shops. But the other thing is it comes with is a lot of commentary. There's not a lot of neutrality that comes with a Facebook group post. You get a lot of um, you know political talk, um, some negativity, lots of opinions. And so when you go out to just try to figure out you know, who polishes blower snouts for Hellcats, you end up getting 200 posts that are, you know, just other people's opinions or, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we, we sought to create neutrality, um, but really we wanted to provide a, an all-in-one place for people to go to be able to find businesses, services, classifieds. Of course, we'll have a forum board, but uh, a place that I think will probably end up replacing something like Mopart's or some of the other forum boards that are just out there and beginning to age. And it'll be a new place to find information. Is it is Hemi Pages uh, solely for the modern Mopars, or are you guys going to integrate some sort of um, something to do with the classics as well? Are, are you going to? Is it specific to modern or? We're gonna we're gonna serve the whole market. Okay. Um, we started out with when we originally came out with the idea. Um, we started a, a page called H3MI thinking that the third gen Hemi would be where the information would be mostly desired. But as we started to look at a lot of the businesses that are out there, we felt like offering a larger, you know, data set to a broader audience would make sense. So we renamed it Hemi pages because, well, the Hemi is the engine of, you know, the, the new powered vehicles, but it's also the legend of a lot of the older ones. So, I'm hoping that that branding isn't misleading, but it certainly is going to be a page that will serve both enthusiast markets, Perfect. vintage and modern. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Um, 
How would a business go about getting listed on Hemipages? Sure. Well, so in most of this, the research that we've done, we've populated what I think are most of the popular shops, engine shops, retailers. We have all of the Dodge dealers. Um, we're going to be bringing to market very soon all of the uh, AERA engine shop members. That's about 2,000 shops. But if somebody wanted to get their page listed, they can just sign up, um, get a business listing, even for free. And then, of course, if they want one that's fancier where they can do articles, uh, gain classifieds, be able to share videos, uh, there's a small increase in fee. Um, and in many cases, if they're already listed, they can just claim the listing. So we do a little bit of work to make sure that when someone claims the listing that they are in fact the business owner because we don't want competitors claiming each other's listings. Yeah. Uh, so we do need a little bit of proof. But once that listing is claimed, the sky's the limit and they can really use it any way that they want to. Very, very cool. I'm sure that how long has this been in development? Well, so funny you ask. Um, we actually started something called RPM X1000. Uh, so that's the, the symbol that you see on every tachometer in the late 90s before the web became what it was. And uh, the technology wasn't where my idea was. So we put the idea back in incubation. Around 2007, we tried to launch it again and we called it WrenchList. And we found that mobile devices just weren't where we needed them to be. Now with mobile technology, everybody's carrying around a computer in their hand. You know, if you have location services on your phone, you'll be able to go to Hemipages and say, find me a car show, find me a dealership, find me somebody that's selling some parts. And by zip code, it would find, you know, those nearest events, classifieds, businesses, dealerships. Uh, even if you're broken down, you might be able to find a, a car, uh, a, you know, a tire dealer or something like that. So that was the concept, but it's been in, it's been in thought for 20 years. It's just that now the technology is there for, for us to realize the true vision of what we wanted to do. Awesome. Now, this is kind of a question for both of you guys. How do you think that Hemipages is going to impact the Mopar community? I think that the idea uh, of actually creating Hemipages in the first place, we always were thinking about the modern Mopar stuff, but I think that when we realized that we wanted to be more of a general position for everything, I think we kind of came to the, the conclusion that we we want to be, whether or not people want to pay for listings or whether or not it becomes a free thing and people want to advertise there, we want one way or another to actually end up being helpful, even if it's like the smallest thing, like getting businesses in one place, or maybe it's like helping people transfer from the the complexity of Facebook into like a neutral area. Um, and I think it's just about making it like a safer and more reliable environment for all the businesses that are involved in this community, whether they're new or old, uh, to have a place where they, they could feel like they're going to benefit from it. Um, I would say, I, I would say from the survey that we did that, um, I actually asked a question of a survey that, uh, that we're going to release soon. Um, you know, are, are you, or would you find, uh, a directory yellow pages for the Mopar enthusiast community helpful. And about 90% of the people that took the survey said, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the choices were also, I'm not interested at all. And we did get a few of those. So I think it really depends. I mean, you can solve your problem today through Google searches, through Facebook, through forum boards, through racing junk, through Mancini racing, through books. The problem is, is there is no single one place to find a good body shop that Mopar guys would consider to be a place they'd get their car painted. It's really hard to find an engine shop that knows what, you know, a 440 uh, is to set up. And so I think, I think the community will, will respond well, 
whether or not it's going to make us, you know, a living or it's going to make Matthew a living will, will be determined, I think, what we do with the content. But I do think that there's a lack of that centralization and neutrality in the market that I think we're going to bring to, to bear. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. The amount of questions I get from people from the Mopar Hunter page, I get messages all the time like, hey, where can I get this part, that part? Do you know of any good restoration shops? I am so happy to finally have one place to send these people because, I mean, there's so many, you know, it's like first, okay, where are you? <laughs> you know, because it's like they right. ask you the question, you know, where can I get this one trim piece? It's like, okay, where are you? You know, have you checked, you know, Facebook groups, uh, Craigslist, even eBay, you know, and a lot of people I've found are just not that internet savvy. You know, they don't like me. If I need something, I will scour the internet, you know, every dark corner I can find, I'll, I'll find what I'm looking for, but some people are just not that resourceful. So I think Hemi pages as a resource for people like that would be amazing. And, you know, as far as the neutrality, I love that because, you know, you ask a question on a Facebook thread and <laughs> it is like, it's a zoo. It can get so crazy. And with so many different opinions, it would be nice to have, you know, Hemi pages as a resource that you can go to and feel like you're getting legitimate feedback, you know? So that, sure. I, I think that's amazing. And I, I don't think you guys will have any problems, you know, keeping, keeping the ball rolling with, you know, advertising. Cause once, you know, once you guys, get that word out there. I, I can't imagine any Mopar related company not wanting to be listed on Hemi pages because, you know, from what you guys have told me so far, it sounds like it will be the go-to resource for anybody who has, you know, restoring their car paint, body work, engine work, machine work, things like that. I, I really think you guys are onto something cool. And Chuck, when you reached out to me to tell me about it, I was like, wow, I'm surprised nobody else has thought of that or nobody else has actually perfected it. I think a lot of people, you know, that maybe have tried similar things. I think they, they didn't niche down. I think, you know, they, yeah. they went too broad. I think had they niched down, you know, I, I don't know of any LS <laughs> LS resource, you know, that's specifically for <laughs> LS cars or anything like that. So just the sure. fact that, and you know, with how popular all that's all that stuff is, it's, it's going to be amazing to have a Mopar resource. So thank you guys for all your work that you're doing for the Mopar community. I really think that you guys are onto something and I think it's going to be huge. So that's sure. I'm, I'm excited and I'm not even, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to see, you know, how it grows and how it evolves over time. And I, like I said, I can't imagine being a Mopar business owner and not wanting to be on Hemi pages. So anything sure. I can do to help you guys get the word out there, I'm, I'm more than willing to do because I, I'm always about the Mopar community and helping, helping, you know, pull us all together. And I, I'm really yeah. excited about this platform. Real brotherhood. Creating. Yes, exactly. Brotherhood. Yeah. I like that. Well, that's, well, you know, it's one of the reasons I actually reached out to you because, you know, we had thought about from a community perspective, you know, we're, we're going to be advertising and giving people a place to go. But when it comes, you know, to for for example, when when we went to look for writers, I started reaching out to some of the freelancers that are out there, and I'm extending that hand, saying, if you'd like to write for us, we'd like to be able to give you the chance to pick up publication space. But also, if you think of the problem that exists out there for a lot of the small businesses, they're not very good at, you know, using the web or managing a lot of their own pages. There's of course shops that are very savvy. But a lot of smaller businesses that just don't have the time to manage a Wix or a WordPress site or, 
you know, let alone write content for it. So if we can bring writers together, we've got a podcast. This is why we wanted to create the relationship for you because we thought, heck, if we could create a voice for the market, let's let Chris do that. Um, and there's plenty of people to interview and there's a lot of companies that want to get that PR. Um, but, but the one thing I wanted to mention is, um, you know, we're trying to create that community. So if there are people that want to write or they want to publish, you know, we'd like to make that available to them. And if there's a way that they can make money through the site by becoming freelance writers for small businesses or writing articles for brands that have new parts, you know, we'd really encourage that because again, I think the concept that they brought to market with the Hellcat and the, the brotherhood of Mopar, I think that's kind of where we'd like to see it go. The one thing I did want to mention on the neutrality piece of it too, um, you know, we haven't ignored the fact that we uh, know that user reviews are very important. So the site does have the ability for people to write user reviews. Um, I'm going to try to tone down people that have a very negative review. I'd like them at least to keep it clean and professional. But the other thing that we've uh, engineered into the technology is Yelp reviews. If you already have a Yelp ad at the address of your business, that already comes into Hemi Pages. So you can see the Yelp review that already exists. We plan to do the same thing with Google reviews. So you should be able to go to one place and then see not only reviews that have been written on Hemi Pages, but reviews that are generated by other sites for the same business, so long as obviously it's the same address. And there's multiple sources. I think uh, another, another thing that actually would be important to point out is we did have the idea of the people who might not be so tech savvy and even the people who don't want to go on their phone alone. And we, uh, we just decided that maybe it would be a good idea to also have like print issues. So even if we do that on an annual basis for people who want to access the stuff, maybe through a book instead of online, Hemi pages on Hemi, paper. Hemi pages yeah. as uh -huh. pages. So we're going to be doing a, we'll be doing a printed edition where uh, we, we plan, since Matthew has the time, he'll be driving out to the racetracks and setting up a small booth and handing out those editions. Uh, Very cool. You know, to be able to get the word out there. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea too, man. I, I can imagine, Matthew, how excited are you? I'm very excited. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to be able to hit the road. I'm excited to be able to talk to the people one-on-one. -on -one. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it, it'll be exciting. Yeah. He wanted to be a journalist, so this will be his chance to really open <laughs> that book. Go. I really like the idea of you opening the door to freelance journalists in the automotive community. Cause there's so many, I mean, I have a couple names in my head right now that I'm going to have to have them reach out to you because they're young. I, for me, <clears throat> I really like to promote, the younger generations getting into Mopars because I, I almost get scared when I go to these shows because, you know, mm -hmm. I look around and I see a lot of the owners of these cars are, you know, getting up there in age and I'm wondering what's going to happen to the community as a whole. Once the generation of people that were 16, when these cars came out, as far as the vintage Mopars go, sure. I, I'm always curious to see where, where the whole community is going to go. And, you know, once social media got big and I got to see how many young people are actually involved, um, I think that's really cool, especially like on social media, you get a lot of people of influence, you know, on Instagram, I'm really late to the Instagram game. I wish I had, you know, given up on Facebook and just went straight Instagram because Instagram filters out a lot of the garbage that you get from Facebook. But, you know, I, I can't talk too bad about Facebook because it helped me get to where I am now. You know, if it wasn't sure. for the Mopar Hunter, I wouldn't be doing this. So. Um, I'm, I'm excited with kids like Matthew that are getting involved in this, that that's awesome. And I know a couple young writers that are probably going to be pretty stoked about this. I know they write for some other, um, 
platforms that are out there, some popular platforms. But I can't imagine if, if you're freelance, you might as well get your work out as many places as you can. So I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to say about Ready Chassis, Hemi Pages, or anything of the like? I, I think the only thing we'd actually like to say to the market is um, for the businesses that might be listening, you know, sign up, get a listing or claim your listing and it, at least be able to own that part of it because you can get sales leads and customers reaching out to you. And with Ready Chassis, um, I just hope that we're able to provide a product that everybody's looking for and be able to continue the scale as a lot of these uh, older car bodies are continuing to age. And they're either getting restored or in many cases, they're getting cut up. So we, we definitely want to save enough of them. So there's quantity out there. Um, but what I would say is I'm very excited to see what we're going to be able to do with the LC chassis, which is the challenger, because the used market is now creating enough volume that we'll be able to create accessibility to cars that are truly designed to be strip ready vehicles. Not to say that the Hellcat and the Demon aren't because they definitely were designed for it, uh, but cars that have axles. Uh, roll cages and just all the components you need to be safe and go fast. Very, very so, cool. We're excited. Awesome. Matthew, what about you? I would say uh, this is more from a Hemi Pages perspective. Um, just we have an official date on when we want to actually make ourselves known to the public, which is 426. It's kind of a toast to the culture. Happy Hemi Day. Happy Hemi Day. Absolutely. And, um, and, of course, as soon as we can be making it out to like the modern street Hemi shootouts, we will be. So we want to have someone as myself. I want to be on hand, be there for the people who have questions about it. And because I know that for some people, word of mouth and having that interaction is also very important. And so I just want to make sure that for those people who see the market in a different way, they all get a chance to get the experience of being a part of this, this culture and this brotherhood. Awesome. Very cool. So for everybody listening, go to hemipages.com. And Chuck, I know you have a number to call. What's that number, buddy? It's 833-GOT-H3MI or 833-GOT-HEMI. Awesome. Very cool. Also, there's Ready Chassis. So that's readychassis.com. You can go there to get up to speed on all your race car needs from Chuck and Matthew. Um, before we sign off, I do have a little segment of direct connections that I like to call the six pack. And it's just a speed round of a... I don't know if this makes any sense, but this or that question. So I want both of you guys to answer these. So it's really simple. It'll only take a couple minutes and you can go in depth with your answers or you can just give me the one word answer. It'll be pretty quick and pretty fun. So the first, All right. All right. okay, ready? All right. The first one, Dodge or Plymouth? Plymouth. Plymouth. All right. 426 <laughs> Hemi or Elephant? I'll say 426 I Hemi. Go, I gotta go with 426. Nice, nice. Okay. Here's here's a good one. Hearst Hemi Dart or Hearst Hemi Barracuda? Barracuda. I'll say Dart. Absolutely Barracuda all the way. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Now, this one is a little controversial because there's so many different opinions. 6.1 Hemi or 6.4 Hemi? Oh, I'll have to go Apache 6.4 all day. I... Hmm. I gotta go. I think I gotta go six four because I've I don't have a whole lot of experience with the six one. <laughs> okay, I've you know I've heard I've heard rumors that the six point four doesn't handle boost very well. Now I don't know how true that is because I'm not as experienced as a lot of those guys involved with that. But I've seen these six point one Hemi's get crazy amount of power, and some of these, like for example, the WK one Grand Cherokee SRT eights. I've seen these guys. There's a couple companies out there that have hundreds of thousands of miles on these Jeeps with stock bottom ends putting out, mm -hmm. you know, four digit <laughs> wheel horsepower, yeah. which is insane to me. And they, 
and I've heard through the grapevine that 6.4s don't handle the crazy amount of boost like that as easily. So I don't know. Yeah. Have you guys heard that? No, that's, it's actually true. The, uh, the cast aspect of the pistons and the powdered rods are really the biggest enemy. But if you go with a good H beam rod and a forged piston and a six, four, and especially if it's a B- BGE block, it's is in some cases as good as Hellcat stuff. But the good part for all of us is that the market's continuing to make a lot of aftermarket choices so that, you know, we'll have 13 million Hemis to start working from, uh, and I think that's the part we need to rejoice in is that, that we've now we've got quantity. So. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Okay, next one. Modern Challenger or Modern Charger? Modern Charger. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I like the Modern Charger because I, I like the idea of the four doors and still having a ton of power. It's just it's it's been a cool idea to me ever since they came out. I thought it was so awesome. I'd, I'd have to go Challenger only because... I feel like we're still celebrating the e-body design by supporting that car. But, uh, you know, given that I've got so many children, I actually should be choosing the four door. (laughs) You know, I, I, I'm kind of torn. I, at first when the charger first came out, of course I was like four door, what are we doing here? Then the challenger followed and I was like, okay, well that fills my need for the two door. And I I love them both. I think that the designs have just gotten better with time. I think they're doing a great job and I'm actually scared. I'm scared when they, decide to, you know, go outside the box a little bit. I don't know when that's going to be. I heard in 2021 or two or three, something like that. They're going to redesign the car. That's scary to me, but hopefully they don't change it too much. But, you know, I've been saying it since the start of this podcast. I want to see a new Cuda, but Mm -hmm. you know, with the challenger, I've always thought maybe you guys can give me your opinion on this with the, if they came out with a new Cuda, I would want to see something completely different than the challenger. And I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't, I've thought that, something similar to the 67 to 69 Barracuda, you know, something a little bit smaller, a little bit more compact, especially with these power plants that they're talking about, you know, the turbocharged four cylinders and the six cylinders and things like that. I think there's a lot of room to work there. If you had the option of, you can get like, kind of like with the, uh, the new challengers and stuff, you can get a V six or you can get all the way up to, you know, a 6.4 Hemi or a 6.2 supercharged Hellcat engine. So I would like to see, a car that speaks to more than just the muscle heads. Cause I know that there's a market out there that just for some reason, I don't think that Mopar has gotten to yet, you know, as far as the yeah. tuner market goes. And I think that the Barracuda or the Cuda would be a pretty Could good foot in the door for that. Now, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, l- I like that idea. I think too, in the absence of the Viper, that they would they would have an opportunity to be able to fill where that where that hole in the market exists today because I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly the challenger and in many cases the charger very very much feel like muscle cars in mm-hmm. fact they're labeled as such but they don't necessarily have a sports car and they've yeah. got the power plants to make it work so i'd say go after it and make something unique i'd have to agree with you i don't know Absolutely. how you feel i definitely say i and you know, one thing i think would be really nice to see too is the fact that they could go with an entirely different platform instead of a, like the traditional fastback look that both cars have with the challenger and the charger, they could go for something a little different from a side profile perspective or from the front end or even the rear and just kind of not necessarily go away from the brand look, but alter it a little bit because they do have the Viper. Like he said, um, you know, they, they, they really could change it up a bit if they, if they, if they think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 100%. I I'm sick of people going, Oh, look at the fat kids. 
Look at the fat kids. Talking. I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, ha, yeah, ha, like, ha, ha. The LTLX chassis are not like cars by any means. That's why I think they could just shut the game down and just bring out a, a modern CUDA that kind of, you know, not only has the, I just want choices. I want to go, mm-hmm. okay, I want a turbocharged four-cylinder, see where I can go with that. Or, you know, let's throw a big V8 in it. I like the idea of having something that can handle like crazy and still have that muscle, but more like what Chuck said, along the lines of more sports car feel. I like the idea yeah. of that. So I'm always, I'm the, always ACR, the ACR CUDA could be a, a new That's model a, you've just invented. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Chuck, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go write a letter to Mr. Mopar. <laughs> um, Sounds good. Okay. Last, last one. Hemi CUDA. Now this is referring to the vintage Hemi CUDAs because there are no modern Hemi CUDAs, obviously, or SRT Demon. Uh, I'd have to go SRT Demon. I've been so, I, I'd say that I, I've always loved U-Bodies. It's been a dream car of mine. I got to go with the 426 Cuda. I mean, that's, I was it's funny how we're, <laughs> I, that, I'm glad that you both came on because that has brought an interesting dynamic to this conversation and I love it. Yeah. I, uh, as far as that one goes, I, ah, uh, as crazy. I actually saw a B5 blue demon on Friday on my way home from work and, Wow. I was actually coming out of a parking lot and I saw it going the opposite direction. And I was like, oh, and I almost, almost wanted to just chase him down. But, you know, obviously not going to catch him. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, there's something it's weird with those modern cars. You know, you can you'll see, you know, even scat packs or regular RTs all day long. But when you see a demon, and you know, and there's quite a few Hellcats around locally. But when you see a demon, there's just something about that car, man. I love that yeah. car, but you know, I'm also a vintage guy. So mm-hmm. I, I would have to go Hemi Cuda just because, right. like, you know, I, I could always get a demon down the line, you know what I mean? But yeah. the All Hemi right. Cuda, it's like, okay, well, that's kind of like the, uh, the unicorn, you know? So I'm going oh, yeah. to have to stay vintage. <laughs> Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about while I got you on the horn or, uh, you want to shut this show down? No, I just, I, th- I, I'd say we really appreciate the, the airtime and we look forward to listening to more of talking Mopars because I think the format that you've got and the reach that you've got has really, uh, I think enthused a lot of us to be able to have something else to be a part of. I, you know, if you think of what motor trends done with video and, you know, for the most part, television shows, they've definitely brought us some content, but you can't watch roadkill when you're on an eight hour drive to the track, but with talking Mopars, you've, you've got a format that I think people can really be entertained by and get caught up on when they've got ears only. So I'm looking forward to hearing more of it. Awesome. I appreciate that. Chuck, one last time, why don't you guys tell everybody where they can find Hemi pages and ready chassis and everything that you're involved with. Sounds good. Well, I'll let you do Hemi pages. So ready chassis as ready chassis.com and the online store is ready chassis.shop. Uh, and then we'll also have a, a paper catalog that we'll be able to mail out. Uh, and of course you can follow us on social media. And then we've got Hemi pages at hemipages.com. Uh, and then you can call us at our phone number, which is 833-GOT-HEMI. Awesome guys. Thank you so much for coming on the first edition of direct connections. It was a pleasure having you. And I hope this isn't the only time that I get you on once Hemi pages is launched and ready chassis gets rolling. Uh, I want to have you guys back on and let's, let's talk some more shop. All right. That sounds great, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure having you guys on. And that was direct connections. 
That does it for us here on Talking Mopars. Thanks for joining me for the first edition of Direct Connections. For more information about the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. Please rate and review it. And if you want to send in your Mopar story, or if you just want to reach out to me for whatever, you can reach me, Chris, at TalkingMopars.com, or you can leave me a voicemail, 209-28-MOPAR. And in case you already forgot, visit ReadyChassis.com and HemiPages.com to see what my friends Chuck and Matt are up to. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you again next week. I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Direct Connections. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.